I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Stephen Kane from Glasgow and you're listening to Dan Baptiste Questions Everything. My question is, as I know Dan loves his comics and superheroes, does he think the current pandemic is a step towards humans mutating and as a follow-up, if you could all choose a mutation, what would it be? Mine's would be more melanin in my skin, as I'm a pasty ginger who gets sunburnt from the fridge light. And remember everyone, question everything. Hello everybody and welcome to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, a podcast for myself, comedian, writer and occasional actor Dane Baptiste, my producer friend Howard Cohen, aka The Hizzer. Hello! And a mix of very special guests pose the questions that need to be asked and we are talking everything from... Everything from Stephen from Glasgow's question, is the pandemic going to make humans mutate and what mutation would you like? Um, Stephen, uh, not sure what to say there. Uh, Dane? Uh... He, he's right it'll be a very but the thing is mutation takes place on a very small genetic level so you will mutate and the mutation will just be you developing gradual immunity to this uh the covid19 strain of uh, the coronavirus yeah yeah no, nothing nothing like the x-men sadly no nah, nothing right. cool and crazy like that that being said yeah. though uh maybe you know, in glasgow i don't know maybe in glasgow. well yeah i mean in glasgow then again you never know maybe the pancreatic cells amongst glaswegians will change because obviously covid is exasperated by uh diabetes complications and obesity is an issue in glasgow so maybe people evolve in that way in the same way that africans evolve sickle cells because the plasmodium parasite can't consume it and therefore malaria doesn't spread as well. So who knows? So we ask all the questions there. All the questions. A, very, yeah, all the questions. a, a variety of answers. Variety of answers there. All the questions and all the answers. And if you have any questions for the podcast, please uh, free to get in contact with us as well. And if you do enjoy the show, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify and you'll never miss an episode. Or you can also find us on ACAST, the world's largest podcast network. So we welcome all the questions and all the guests. That being said, on today's show, uh, our very special guest is a writer, social media creative and culture entrepreneur she is one of the founders of the black theater club she has written for publications such as the guardian vice vogue and the independent and she has recently written and presented a series for channel 4 entitled how to not be racist and she's doing it with the patience that you people do not deserve it is the enchanting <laughs> shante joseph what's happening shante hey nothing much you know i'm just sat inside working on like maybe the fifth sunny day of the year that we're going to get in this country so that's sad but i'm also talking to you so that's good it's so good thank you so much for coming as you know i am a long time fan i have very many times been scrolling and then rolling on the floor ruffling at your uh at your comments and your commentary uh, it's such a narrative it's um definitely uh, someone I definitely tried to emulate. It is it's such a pleasure to have you on as well. And obviously, we had Kalechi on a few weeks ago and stuff as well. So that's it, man. It's getting all, all the new guards of the of the of the realist realist sisters out here. So yeah, thank you. I appreciate. It. I appreciate you even forsaking some vitamin D to come on the podcast as well. It means so much to me. It means so much because I do because obviously there's no carnival this year. So well, if there's an online carnival, it's not the same. But yeah. I guess. 
they were close enough. It's close. He'll do for now. He'll do for now. Because I, I might be like, oh, I wouldn't watch this. But then when I watch Beanie versus Bounty Killer do their sound clash, I was jumping up and down in the room. I was boom bang banging, licking down walls, popping open magnums. We, we still made. It was a, still a vibe. It was still a vibe. So we just have to adapt. Have to adapt. And you know what? Maybe there's there's a, like a silver lining where if we learn how to like organize carnival online, then like say like someone's infirm or necessarily disabled and they can't necessarily go to carnival. Then in mm. the future we have a little link, and then you know people can go with like a a GoPro or you know people can just have their access to the floats and stuff, so you can like follow a float around carnival. Yeah, so, that'd be so sick, you know, like a VR headset when you can experience. There the you go. Yeah, so POV. Yeah, so exactly. <laughs> so 3D carnival experience is like. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take that pattern and add to it 3D wines digital wine imagine a, so I'm you, imagine a digital wine you could get a digital wine there you go no one's too sweaty there's nothing to, there's, you know nothing is too invasive like I think if we could have a room where you could get a digital wine this is like, yeah protect the boundaries and also with a digital wine you have to get consent first from the host of the wine before you end up for the wine exactly that's what I'm saying what are we doing in San Chance we're going to be making all this money Get his bread. <laughs> well, look, there's still time. There's there still, is still time. time. To do all... I mean, it, ma- it makes you realise how experiences are worth so much more than uh, material possessions, right? Like all those experiences that people are missing out on this summer, eh? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I, I, I don't want to make any presumptions. I mean, I wasn't someone that grew up with the abundance of material possessions anyway. So things like doing stuff outdoors and uh, learning to run and do your own little acrobatics and keep yourself occupied. Mm-hmm. I'm always part of my childhood and stuff as well. But yeah, I, I definitely agree, Howard. I think we definitely have this time has definitely made people appreciate just uh, the value of just uh, contact with uh, other living sentient beings. Quality time, quality time, eh? Just, just put your phone down, and 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 look at the look at the sky. Do you know what I mean? Like, this is, take it some nature. Not, not, impressed, not yeah. sure about putting the phone down. You know, I don't yeah, really like people that much. If I'm honest, like, <laughs> I enjoyed the isolation of lockdown. I very much enjoyed not having to cancel plans at last minute or not agreeing under duress. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I exactly. Yeah. No one's bothering me. I'm like. Sorry, can't come today. Do you remember house party when it, the first people were like, yeah, let's all have reunions and meet people from before, remember? Yeah, remember the good old days? Hey, my ex-girlfriend from four years ago. Wait, no. Oh, no, I hate you. That's why we don't talk. Because yeah, I, I hate you. Talk. Yeah, that's why we don't talk. And you'd be like, we're like, we're going to do a quiz. We're going to do a quiz every week. And he's like, do it once. Never again. I hated it. I hate my family. <laughs> yeah, every, I hate you all. I don't ever want to play games with you. This is why I live away from you. Yeah, it was all, it was all fun and games at first with that how people like house party you can have different so many people in there but then people can just walk in and i was like yeah and now i realize why in real life house parties used to end in fights because anyone can wow. walk in and now right. on the line if i'm having a common nice conversation that like we're having now then an ex walks in and is like hello hello stranger i'm like what are you doing ruining my vibe how could you allow this to happen broadband i feel like people should have been able to take advantage of digital uh, media in the first place like if you were somebody that wanted to keep in contact with other people like you mm. could always use whatsapp or use like skype for that in the first place so i think at first people were like now i can contact the people i've never been able to contact and then you realize there's probably a reason for that mm-hmm. like most people aren't supposed to have these wide reaching uh, social networks anyway so i think yeah. it made you realize it made you realize when you did want to spend time with someone how much that mattered that yeah, exactly. you, absolutely that, yeah yeah Shanti, you have to understand. Uh, Howard, <laughs> Howard, so Howard, Howard is a new and very loving father, so he has now a newfound, oh, yeah, a new, a newfound uh, appreciation for family and togetherness, and so and and their arms and what they can use their arms for with my child. So that's kind of yeah, exactly. very useful. Um, <laughs> that is cute.
Yeah. It's probably time for a question, isn't it, Dane, as, as, the, as the format dictates? Absolutely. Uh, so as I say, Shante, thank you so much for being on the podcast. We appreciate and value you. And uh, as our esteemed guest, we invite you to ask the first question, any question you'd like, which we will discuss for 15 minutes. And then Howard himself will ask a question. And then I will do the same. Lather, rinse, repeat. Uh, we all go home. Everybody have a nice time. Hopefully you get some sun. Enjoy the world without so many of the people in it. Sound like a plan? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, oh. so my question is, it can be about anything, right? Mm-hmm. Anything, anything you like. Why do, yeah, why do um, meat-free burgers, right, that attempt to emulate meat not even taste like meat? And why would you not just eat meat if you want to eat something that tastes like meat? I love it. I love that question. Have you got any brand examples we can consider as, as part of your um, thing? Or have you... Because I, I can advise you on some of these things. We're going to do a web series, me and you, with ve- just veggie burgers. I think is the I, next I, I've, here. I've heard of, I've heard of. Well, corn is one, right? Yeah, corn, corn would be one of the primary examples. Red chicken nuggets slap, though. I'm not going to lie. Are they good? I'm not going to lie. I get, I get. It. I don't know. For me, it's a. I, I, I share a sentiment where it's the. Um, I guess there's there's now this kind of weird space between uh, veganism or like hardcore veganism and carnivore being a carnivore yeah which is now called plant-based and this is the thing that i find to be a very it's very ambivalent term plant-based because that because to me when you think about it like if you if you shave if you if you shave if you mow a lawn right and you get the bag full of grass that's technically plant-based but if someone took that and made it into a sausage i'd be like that's disgusting but <laughs> technically it's plant-based so yeah i i uh so corn would be and then corn's supposed to be like a form of mushroom or something these things use up more more or less the same amount of water as you would if you were gonna just grow a cow do you know what i mean exactly obviously i'm a huge fan of like oat milk oatly is literally my life i would die for that oat milk brand i would go to war for them on the front lines right i did did a brand brand partnership with them you should have told me they gave me a bag of crates of it i got that i got like the oatly matcha tea i got (laughs) oatly oatly chocolate milk oatly barista edition because we're gonna fight i told you (laughs) that's what i'm saying because we can't shanta you slept on me that's what i'm saying people keep sleeping on dane and dane is out here making deals (laughs) adopting early trends representing very early I was I was in the game from morning. You should, if people follow, this is what I'm saying. If people are following me, I've been very outspoken about my lactose intolerance. Only were like, you'd work for us perfectly. All black people. Yeah, I, I tell them that all the time. But some people are like, yeah, but bruv, I like Guinness punch or blah 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 milkshakes. So I was like, uh, people are like, oh, shake shack and blah 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 blah. So I was like, you know what? I guess I'm alone out here doing my thing, eating oat milk. People are like, how could you have oat milk and porridge? Ain't that double porridge if it's made from oats as well? I was like, you people, man, you need to get woke on the oats, innit? <laughs> so, it's the one. It's the one. Making oat milk, particularly on mass, does also use a lot of water. So, I guess people who are doing it for environmental reason, uh, it's like, do you know what I mean? It's like, where's the trade-off? Do you know what I mean? Why would you be, why would you be eating a vegetarian Burger is the first question I'd say to you, Shanta. Why, why, what would be your reason behind it? Is it, is it kind of ethical about animals or? Um, with burgers and stuff like that, I don't know. I'm just not really, unless it's a steak, I don't really want to eat it. I don't like the idea of, you know, meat in a burger is just different. Like beef is just, I, I mean, don't know, it doesn't. Yeah, it's a burger thing because remember, a burger is like, 
when you think about it, in strictest terms, when you have like a cow, you have all these choice cuts, whether it's like, you know, as you said, like the rump and you obviously different yeah. parts of steak and, you know, rind and stuff. And then I guess the remaining meat what would have been put together to make burgers and sausages. Essentially, they're like reconstituting and stuff. So somewhere along the line, we kind of forgot that. And then the burgers themselves became quite gourmet. And I'm always like, well, how gourmet can a burger be? Because it's like the reconstituted leftover stuff. But then I guess if you're always going to eat all that stuff, you'd want to eat in the form of a a beef patty, I suppose. But Mm. yeah, I, I just think that there's... For me, a vegetarian burger or a veggie burger... I just, I just think it's an insult that someone's like, okay, here's a burger. What's it made from? You know, different vegetables, tomatoes and lettuce and onions. Okay. And then what do you top that burger with? You know, lettuce and onions and tomatoes. <laughs> Wait, what? How, 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 no. What else? Pickles. There's pickles in the burger already. So now I'm, I'm eating a double, triple, triple, but double burger. And it's just like... There's nothing burger about this. So essentially, this is a salad between two pieces of bread. Mm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the other side. I'm, I'm, not because I'm a, a sort, I'm not a vegetarian, mm. uh, but but I, I, I think I'm gonna take the other side. I, I had a burger uh, that was made from uh, sweet potato, pumpkin, and spinach the other day, and I would tell you that was a tasty experience. I wouldn't compare it to. Um, a delicious Five Guys or wherever mm. you like your burgers, but it was a it was a it was a, a, a healthier. I think is the thing to say as well. You know, in terms of calories of the of the meat and stuff. So if you're looking for a healthier option, that is it. But the the, the thing that you're talking about now isn't that. You're talking about this thing that comes in a pack. Um, so have you seen the um, the Beyond Burger? Mm. Have you so have you tried that? Have you tried this? I thing? haven't tried it yet. Okay, so I, I genuinely think the three of us should. I've, I've I've got many people who can film things for us. We should do some taste testing with some burgers. Dane, you're up for this, right? Uh yeah. I mean, because I, I get what Shante's saying is that why do people need to make it like meat? Because for me, that I it, I it loses the appeal when it's like chicken yeah. with two ends. I'm like, mm. <laughs> I mean, like you see those things in Sainsbury's when it's like it's like have a burger. Why is it with an O? <laughs> have a burger it's almost like a burger it's like i don't this just doesn't makes me more apprehensive about trying this kind of stuff because it's like almost as if they're like it's like there's a place that used to be near my house that was called kebabish and i'm like why is it kebabish because it's like mm. it's almost kebab not not quite in fact that would make sense if it was like a plant-based kebab shop and it could be like kebabish but this is mm. way before people cared about veganism it was just called mm. kebabish, isn't it? Really sure, like- I, I would, I would go as far to say, you no, know, mate, that the 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 Beyond Burger. If I made you both a Beyond <laughs> Burger as a follow up to this podcast, and mm. I do it with a nice brioche bun, and you you know you put a, you like cheese on your burger, not lactose, maybe not, uh, mm. but you know, I, I would I would guarantee you that would be a tasty experience. And there's one in America that isn't here yet called the Impossible Burger, mm-hmm. which I've been told is a Five Guys worthy burger. Can I just say, though, one thing I've taken from this conversation is that a burger is a social construct. Anything that is between two buns is called a burger. So if I have Frosties and I put it between two buns, is that a burger? It's a good question. It's a, fair, it's a fair question. You're just saying you had a burger that was like sweet potato and like spinach and falafel or whatever, and it's between two buns, it's a burger. But it's not really. It's just bread with sweet potato and spinach mashed It's a sandwich. It's a sandwich, right? It's a sandwich. It's, it's a sandwich. It's a panini at best. I mean, this is what I mean. Like, I just feel like there was just a point in time where uh, hipsters have, in the same way that they gentrified cider, have now mm. gentrified burgers. 
And mm. yeah, and because of this whole need for it to be plant based, I really feel like the reason why is that there's just a. Uh, I just think there was someone just. This is more of a commercial thing rather than a health issue. I think in terms of this whole trying to sex sexualized uh, plant based foods and make them sound like meat and stuff. I just think mm. there's just. Uh, the marketing of meat has probably been a lot more effective in terms of sexualizing the idea of meat. And, you know, when you watch adverts, it's like, even when you watch an advert for like Burger King, it's like, look how the onions bounce and the meat's dripping with juices. It's like, it's always weirdly <laughs> look sexual. Look those onions bounce. Look, yeah, yeah, it's like when you see like the chicken rotisserie, it's like, look how crisp it gets. Oh, succulent. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm eating this. I'm not trying to move to it. But so I think there's just been a long standing kind of uh, paradigm where commercially you could market meat as being quite sexy and also an indicator of like wealth and accomplishment, isn't it? It's like, you know, mm. meat, meat is a part of a banquet. Like whenever you'd see like the quintessential like banquet, it's always got like the piece of gammon with the pineapple on top and the pig's got the apple in its mouth and, you know, the big turkey and stuff. So I think mm-hmm. because people still have these attitudes towards where they link um, meat to wealth, even amongst like the diaspora and stuff as well, like soya and stuff like that yeah. seen as a sign of wealth. I think that's just the approach whereby they're like, we can't probably wean people off that easily onto a plant-based diet or, you know, people that maybe historically have tried to market meat and now trying to move people towards this whole plant-based thing. I just, yeah. Uh, I just, yeah, just trying to be like, it's almost like eating meat. And that's why you keep seeing these things. Cause I just, it's, I find it as weird as when people say stuff like, I don't like meat on the bone. Uh, people are like, I don't eat meat on the bone. Okay. I don't okay. know. Some people say that it's, I don't like meat on the bone. I'm like, that's how you know it's meat. Yeah. That's normally, the, I, it's, for me, I'd rather meat on the bone because then I know what I'm eating. Whereas if you just give me meat in a form of a stir fry, I have I don't necessarily have any idea what I am eating. So, but why are we doing this? Is the question that, that that's always the thing you have to bring it back to, right? What is this movement for? And if it's for, I would personally say uh, the reason I've bought some of these products is is guilt. I mm-hmm. I don't I don't really like you know I like animals. Dane, you know I like. An animal and a I pet. Know, you like uh, an animal. And, uh, so, you know, I don't really feel like I want to eat them because, I mean, that's not to say that there isn't a world in which that could happen. As in, like, if the man down the road had, you know, 20 cows uh, and, you know, after a while he turned some of them into food, that would be more sustainable to me than mm. a horrible, horrible life that loads of cows are having for us to have quite poor quality meat. Mm. I get that. I just, I, I do feel like though sometimes it's very hard to contextualize the conversation about diet and nutrition along human uh, or social moral lines stuff because if, for example, if me and a tiger were in a cage and they threw a slab of meat in there, or they were like, well, we've only got one meat, you have to fight each other for it. That tiger's not going to be like, well, I've known you for a long time, Dan. I shouldn't do this. <laughs> what do you say, buddy? Like they have their own as carnivores and apex predators. If you get eaten by a lion or a tiger or any other kind of apex predator, then no one's going to be like, that lion was using no restraint in the way he ate, Dane. That's just a part of its makeup. It has to eat to survive. Now, I guess human beings have evolved to the point where we don't necessarily need to eat um, uh, you know, a meat-based diet alone. But mm. I, th- I just think that some of that is more of a function of privilege than it is you know, our natural evolution. There is a market for people that want to be a bit more conscious about or have a, a certain element of ethics to their diet. And I think people mm. have identified that and they're just trying to, it's kind of exploiting it to the point in the same way that like e-cigarettes and vapes were supposed to like help people to stop smoking. But now it's like, well, now that's a market unto itself. So now vaping itself yeah. is as, as a bigger growth market as smoking is. So mm. 
So I'd say the reason why we're seeing stuff like burger or tofu with two O's, which I literally saw today, is because mm-hmm. just, I think this is now it's just in vogue. And I think especially a lot of young Generation Z kids are coming up with more, a lot more enlightened about the idea of a plant-based diet. Mm. And so, yeah, I think a lot of people are just trying to feel that, uh, that demand. Because why is KFC doing a, a, a meat-free burger? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Yeah, and it was made on a, a meat grill, so then people who didn't eat meat couldn't even eat it. Exactly. It's like, or people go to Nando's and they're like, do you have things other than chicken? If you go to Nando's and you ask for something other than chicken, you deserve a slap in the face. That's mm-hmm. what I'll do for Nando's. Oh, what doesn't have chicken in it? This? Slap? <laughs> I don't know. Isn't it a good... Are there good things at Nando's other than chicken? That's I'm true. That, that, was, that was an overreaction. Sorry. <laughs> what kind of slap would you like? Medium? Lemon and herb? <laughs> Hot slap. <laughs> I mean, the thing about it, really, is that, well, that point you made. Uh, I don't know, like sustainable right but then you can't because you can't replace i mean you're basically i assume shanta unless i'm mistaken you're quite like a tasty burger right yeah well i don't really eat burgers they don't i they just don't go down well for me they just have ne- unless it's like a chicken burger yeah the only thing well, some, beef, some, my stomach well, exactly so, well red meat as well we don't people obviously people that naturally genetically have lactose intolerance probably don't process red meat as well and mm. and also i i heard the nutritionist saying about the fact that the reason, there's a reason, like, human beings aren't even supposed to consume those different food types all at the same time, like, as you bite into a burger, which is mm. why kids tend to, like, take the patty out and they separate it when they're eating it, because having the meat, which is quite a chore to digest, with a bur- yeah. with a, with the bread as well, which obviously gluten is obviously a bit more difficult to digest, and then you've got the sugar and the ketchup and those other stuff, by the time it gets to your gut, you're just like, because Yeah. Because in one day, Shantae, let me tell you, a cautionary tale, yeah, about red meat once... I went to Gaucho, and then mm. I went to Creams, which is like Casper's Ooh, Diner. In one day! Bad. In what one day! On? In one what day! What is you doing, babe? You know, right? I'll tell you what I was doing. I was constipated for 48 hours, Shante. <laughs> stomach wasn't no. ready for that. Basically, had to put, basically, my stomach had to put up like, a whole scaffold, lots of rebuilding. Like They had to lock off roads in there and be like, no, nah, we're going to... This is a... Is it, that Not, makes sense. Take a while, One so. of those ones. Yeah. Oh, mate, I don't know. You've got to have to do some hard work here. This is, yeah, uh, horrible. <laughs> it, was, it was a bad, bad idea. So I just think, yeah, I guess myself, after that kind of experience, I'd be like, oh, I need to have these things, but much more healthy. And I guess there are uh, commercial vendors that see that kind of new demand for people to be a bit more conscious about their diet. It's a very good question. It's a great question. I'm going to definitely change uh, topic uh, away from uh, uh, vegetarian issues <laughs> uh 
with my question. And, you know, our show, just listeners probably have become aware that we're kind of recording this uh, remotely. And, you know, it means that when we record it, often it'll be coming out around the week of the recent news of different things. So we can be a bit more topical. Um, Mm. So, listen, we need to talk about Wiley. I don't think... I don't think this show can represent what it represents and what Dane represents and not talk about it. So mm. uh, I'm going to kind of open the floor. Mm. I don't know if Shante... I don't know if it's worth as well, I don't know either Shante or Dane, I'm mean, happy to... For some people don't re- recognise the quite the, the importance of, of who Wiley was yeah. or is. Because I, I think that for a lot of people, obviously, you know... Um, uh, with people, you know, like Stormzy and AJ Tracy, you know, these people, such a, he was so ahead of his time at one point, right? Well, very, 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 uh, to simplify it somewhat, it is said so far as uh, that subgenre of British contemporary music that we call grime is that uh, Wiley is the reason that everybody's here. So, mm-hmm. you know, at the turn of the century, um, as this sound was kind of beginning to, was still relatively experimental, and then we saw the emergence of uh, Dizzy Rascal winning the Mercury Music Prize at the same time, uh, maybe in one level below in that hierarchy of uh, f- profile, uh, Wiley was um, known as the main progenitor of this new sound. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, had loads of lots of different names like dubstep and and sublo. But yeah, finally, I guess they kind of stayed on the term grime. And he was a leading producer um, after being a very prolific member of the garage crew Page Go Cartel. And then they started uh, and then made the transition into the grime music with his songs like uh, Eskimo and. Uh, ice rink, uh, and then and if you want to, yeah. if you want to listen to more about that subject, you could go back and find our episode with Bushkin, right? Because yeah, exactly, you know, yeah, yeah. similar similar era. Who Wally has also beefed with, by the way, just to give you guys context. <laughs> <laughs> so he also beefed with them, but no, I mean, yeah, he he is uh, known as definitely being the uh, one of the uh, primary progenitors of the grime sound that people here kind of enjoy today, and. Uh, and this yeah. week he decided he didn't like my lot, <laughs> uh, basically, uh, which 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 was 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 definitely up there, right? In terms of like Twitter explosions. I mean, were you watching it happen live, Shante? Were you kind of were you online when it was going on? It's one of those things where, like, if you haven't been blocked by Wiley, then you've probably muted him. So when this was going on, a lot of us just like did not really see it or like acknowledge it because I was kind of like on the TL and I saw you know when you've muted someone and it says like quote tweeted and it says oh like click open or you can't see this or whatever so I was just like kind of going about my business and then obviously people who weren't blocked by him took screenshots then posted this the screenshots of his tweets and then I was like oh my god went on his profile saw he was like basically having another episode and it was just like constant and it was going on for like two days at this point when he was being told in a very civil way here we are giving you this breath to really articulate what you're trying to say. Yeah. And even though mm. you seem to be making some generalizations here, which you might want to correct before you continue this narrative. And he was like, everybody can shut up. No one can tell me nothing. And uh, yeah, with uh, so people need to understand that with uh, the uh, Wiley's rise and level of influence within the uh, industry or the genre, you know, that's also led to a lot of uh, contention between him and his peers. Because for those who don't know, yeah. uh, if you are a Jewish crime fan or a Jewish listener to the podcast, not by any means to reduce the uh, uh, the barrage of anti-Semitic uh, statements that he made, Wiley has also beefed with Dizzy Rascal and gets 
and he's beefed with uh, Scorcher and he's beefed with Merxton and he's beefed with Devlin and he's beefed with uh, Stormzy and Tiny Temper. He's got a record. Oh, yeah, beef with Tiny Temper. Yeah, so he has a long... Oh, Drake as well. So, you know, he's... Uh, what was the question, Howard? <laughs> the question is... What the fuck happened? What what the fuck was that? Yeah, what the fuck <laughs> was Wiley, that? Wiley, what the fuck was that? And and you know, it, it's obviously it's interesting actually, isn't it? Because I think I asked a question to you and Kalechi yeah. about how the Jewish population could uh, input and support BLM. Right? It, it was it was a kind of a quite an open question, I think, in the sense that I wasn't trying to direct it in any particular route or deflect anything back to the. Jews in any way, you know, it was more just kind of like, as a minority, how do we support that cause? Uh, Some people, Jews were confused how to talk. So we had a really good conversation with it. So it's kind of interesting to think not much less, you know, about a month later, uh, someone who's an incredibly prominent figure would kind of go and do what he does. And uh, I mean, I don't know if you're happy with me just to launch... A, a slight tirade of, of, of I'm of my absolutely opinion. fine. Listen, tirades are, that's, you know, you're on the internet, mate. If you can't tirade, then where else can you do it? <laughs> uh, so, I mean, look, for, for, for me, you know, I grew up in this country. My great grandparents didn't. My great grandparents fled uh, Eastern Europe uh, because Jews were persecuted. And that's obviously a long story that you can go and read many books about. In fact, there might be a really famous book with a couple of stories about Jews being persecuted. You might be able to find that somewhere. Um, The hundred or so years later, you know, most Jews live quite happily and in small communities, as as you, you know, in North London or or in Manchester, you know, know, in Britain, Jews have a very uh, quite insular population. And there's a load of us who aren't very religious. But the kind of the idea that anti-Semitism is something that Wiley would want to kind of push is just to me, I, I just couldn't believe it. Like, and as, a, as someone who grew up in East London and to see him kind of go and do that, given basically it all comes back to the fact his manager mm. is Jewish and is, he thinks he's ripped him off, right? That's mm. basically the whole thing. Mm. Uh, it, 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 it amazed me to witness such ignorance and almost the digital age, like Twitter facilitates people being ignorant fucking people, right? Because if you want to get into Israel or Jews generally, we want to get into Israel for one thing. Like, I mean, ask most Jewish people, they would say a a very right wing government is in charge of Israel and are doing some very bad things. And that's really unpleasant. And all of us have to Look at that. But those people in charge of Israel definitely don't fucking represent me, just like Boris Johnson doesn't represent me oh, yeah. or you. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and that's the reality of that. And then on the flip side of it, and obviously we were one point going to get Tez Ilyaz back on the show to do an Israel-Palestine special. But, you know, unfortunately, whether people want to face it or not, on the other side of the Jews, there are people in the Arab world who are staunchly anti-Semitic. And actually... They quite like to kill all Jews, which is something that you don't really want to have to face up to in this day and age. But unfortunately, that's still going on. So that's part of the reason there's a right wing government. But all of those things, the idea that you think Twitter is the place to (laughs) debate them and not just have really nuanced, educated debate and opinion uh, is is just beyond me. And and to see him do that, I I, I mean, I assume for you guys, it was a massive disappointment. Yeah, it was. I mean, like... Wiley isn't really someone, I think we've, like you said, you've listed all the people that he's beefed with, the way that he has 
basically undone his whole legacy through all of these like like online tirades and all this kind of stuff. And so I think in a weird way, like like people, a lot of people like do not like mess with him like that. Yeah. And they've seen the things that he's done. And so it was so weird kind of being asked to take accountability for Wiley when anyone who knows anything about the scene or or whatever knows that like he like if if it was Stormzy or Dave or whatever like I think people would just be like wow like this yeah. is crazy and it would be it would be it would be a lot to kind of handle but Wiley is is definitely someone who is just like completely in a world of his uh, own. To, get, Even to, give, to give context to give context Wiley supports Tottenham Hotspur <laughs> so that's he, he supports he's a staunch supporter of Tottenham Hotspur so again to not even see the uh you know there's almost like a legacy link with the Jewish uh, population of London and that football club and then to support it and to be such a avid supporter of it mm. and not understand that intersectionality speaks to where mm. like Ashante said it's like we were disappointed but we weren't surprised mm. yeah he's not it was it was upsetting but it was also like like we don't expect much from Wiley and Wiley Wiley represents Wiley. Wiley doesn't represent grime. Wiley doesn't represent black people. Wiley doesn't represent the Black Lives Matter movement. So those two, those two things are completely separate. Um, And I also just think like with Wiley as well, when he was going on that tirade, he wasn't interested in learning. He wasn't interested in taking accountability. He wasn't interested in apologizing. And even when he had the chance to do that, he still didn't take any accountability for anything he said or even apologize properly. He just further went on to be like, yeah, my manager was an idiot and blah, 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 blah. Do you know what I mean? So it's like- Where he could have very rationally just directed all of his vitriol towards his manager. And- Exactly, you don't beef with manager. Go and rush your manager. Yeah, go manager because, and and even if, and you know, if if it's the case that your manager is engaging in shady deals, that's going to be believable. But that is not to be associated with his faith or his race. So it's not- because also I feel like there is also this uh, subversive hatred of Drake that is one of the reasons was a catalyst for this narrative as well obviously Drake being of dual heritage and being of African American and uh, Jewish ancestry and I guess from Wiley's perspective whether he will acknowledge this or not uh, Drake in a very short space of time has become a very influential person within the British comedy scene and uh, Mm -hmm. comedy uh, music scene and is very much uh, has, yeah, has generated very positive links with uh, a lot of artists from a lot of artists from Wiley's era, as well as new and emerging artists. And I really think mm-hmm. there is an element of jealousy to that. I definitely do. I think I feel like, given the fact that uh, Drake has not only uh, worked with some of the newer drill artists more recently, but also was instrumental in uh, financing the uh, the second, the third series of Top Boy. Uh, you know, he's done songs with Stormzy. He's uh, worked again with uh, Kano and Asha D on Top Boy, uh, as well as uh, Santan Dave of playing Santan Dave in his, his radio and stuff. And obviously some of the previous work he had done, uh, yeah, before with uh, Section Boys or Smoke Boys. So I think there's a large amount of jealousy that comes from uh, Wiley. And I feel like, like with very a lot of jealous men, uh, it's, it's a very patriarchal act to uh, cite racial privilege when you feel uh, inferior to another man. 
And that that phrase is the one that I was just, you know, because there's a chance maybe at some point, Dane, we'd have, um, we talked about Josh Howie, who's a very intelligent uh, comedian. Great guy. Uh, and talks, talk, talks really cleverly about uh, anti-Semitism. And he, he may come on the podcast at some point. That'd be well, lovely, actually, we, but, we should definitely um, have him on, but yeah, really great guy. Yeah. And- but but the, the word privilege is a fascinating one because I noticed a couple of weeks ago, Jewish privilege uh, hashtagging on, on Twitter. Uh, and, and, it, and, it's, and it's basically things like, Wiley acting like that that makes people think that there is uh, a, a kind of incredible uh, easy life that Jews have had and I'm not this is where we shouldn't be comparing it's not about comparing different minority groups and the experiences they've had there will be pros and cons to everyone's experiences but the idea that people think that and you know if I'm honest just to make it really clear from my side like Wiley fuck you man like that is the lamest <laughs> approach to like trying to talk about greed like and fight you know what if you want to talk about greed there's going to be people in the Jewish community who are greedy, just like there's going to be that in every fucking community. That's not a hard thing to get your head yeah, around. Yeah, Birdman, there will be of Cash Money Records. <laughs> 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 but you know what I mean, though? That, that you will find that, you know, Jesus Christ, Dane, we work in comedy and television. You will find some greedy fuckers of all races, all races and gender in that business. And to, for him to use that problem that he's got there and target the Jewish community when listen like I say we talked about it a couple of weeks ago bring it together minorities support each other like bring it together mm-hmm. it can only help further the conversation if we do that like, Wiley fuck you man like that's bullshit it's a very crap thing to do especially because even if you know there is some validity to his statements about him being fleeced by his management and by executives within the industry there may be a cabal of people that are fleeced the industry and, and use subversive tactics that's nothing to do with their religion like the music industry came way after the Talmud and the Torah was written. So there's nothing written in there to say, like, once music starts popping off, that's how you rinse. And uh, also, I feel like I my advice to any person who would identify with the political idea of blackness in terms of how you would define race is that if you're saying stuff as a black person, I feel that Nazis agree with, what you're saying is not correct. You know, mm. especially because of the fact that, like, you know, there is even a conflation of anti-Semitism and anti-blackness when people describe BLM as a Marxist movement. Mm. I just think that it's a massively problematic what Wiley said, uh, because while he, you know, there may be a cabal of people that try or executives that may have very uh, engaged in industrial intrigue. But I don't think that is, that is not something that is written into uh, rabbinical texts or in the Torah. Um, it's always a part of principle for me where I know if I have any narrative where I may be scrutinizing any uh, cultural traits within a minority group, if Nazis agree with me, then you're not probably not saying the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just a real weird, conf- yeah, I said it's a conflation of anti-Semitism and anti-blackness where there's these QAnon conspiracy theories where supposedly George Soros and Barack Obama uh, are trying to overthrow Donald Trump, who is trying to break up a paedophile sex ring. Um, and because George Soros is Jewish he's founding the uh, Black Lives Matter movement as a Marxist organisation and it's like you're talking about like Marxism and communism you know your president is working with uh, Russia isn't it and it's like <laughs> and in the same way that like where you had Tiki Torch marches for, uh, where people were loudly shouting Jews will not replace us in Charlottesville and the response from the leader of the free worlds was to say that there are bad people on both sides. I think yeah. if you are somebody that is struggling to condemn the actions of actual Nazis, that is very telling. And that is definitely something that I would be very shocked and appalled to think something that uh, Wiley would like to align himself or identify with. So, um, 
yeah, it's it's real terrible, very short-sighted, erratic behaviour. And, yeah. um, you know, I guess now it's added to further complication has been added to it, whereby he is being, you know, correct, rightfully reprimanded for his uh, words. But now he's been able to weaponize the fact that there is a double standard in reaction to his yeah. anti-Semitic narrative as opposed to anti-blackness, which we see on social media, which doesn't receive the same kind of punishment. Like, you know, you have... Uh, politicians like Amber, Anne-Marie Morris of the Conservative Party referring to N-words in a woodpile, the uh, Prime Minister himself referring to black people as having watermelon smiles and uh, picking ninnies. Um, mm. And this, I mean, this, the list is endless of just instances of uh, flippant racism. Even on BBC News very recently, someone used the fake use of the N-word during the day. And mm. uh, yeah, it just, it's, I think that... Um, while mm. I, I, can say, I can say personally, I, don't see, I see very few... Uh, an infinitesimal amount of black people that share Wiley's anti-Semitic views. Mm. But um, I think the inequality in treatment and and the punitive measures being taken is just, it's going to cause a further divide people. And even the way that Wiley has been called out, it's, it's been with anti-blackness. It's like, you can yeah. call out what Wiley said and you could say it's a terrible thing without yeah. being anti-black Absolutely. without being like this is why we don't support Black Lives Matter or just yesterday we were supporting Black Lives Matter and blah, blah, blah. but there were black Jews as well so in you saying that because Wiley said what he said that's somehow emblematic of the thoughts of the Black Lives Matter movement so you're not going to support black lives matter but then what about black people who are also jewish like do their lives not matter like they can't separate their identities and even the way you know the guardian article switched and put a picture of kano when they were supposed to <laughs> wiley do you know yeah. what i mean like in even in this even in trying to call out this behavior there's still so much rampant anti-blackness and then there's the whole thing of like people that I thought had a lot of sense being like, wow, imagine if what Wiley was saying, imagine if it was a white person saying this about black people. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, we don't have to imagine if this was the reverse because this happens every day. And guess what? Every day. If your prime minister, the prime minister is saying this stuff. If your prime minister is saying this with no reprimand, then... Do you know what I mean? These people have shows on Times Radio. Like, when I think about the abhorrent way that this country has treated black people in media, in policy, and they're given knighthoods for it, they're given TV shows for it, they're given high esteemed roles for it, they're given MBEs for it. Like, let's stop trying to compare these two struggles and let's not say, imagine if this happened to black people, or imagine if about black people because it is literally what happens every day to no consequence it is so frustrating and nobody said wiley spoke on our behalf for real and, and, yeah. and that's why and that's why and we'll, we'll move on to dane's question but mm. in, you know in conclusion from you know a, a member of the jewish community who supports blm as dane knows like on such a level with you know partly with the work we do here but just, just you know to think that a man like that with a platform like that is fucking up the the joins, yeah, the, yeah. the building blocks between Absolutely. those communities makes me go simply this. Fuck you, Wiley. Like, that's, that is well, just and it, and it really speaks to, I mean, on a larger scale, it really speaks to conversations we need to have about, uh, about what uh, figureheads we tend to elevate within our society. Because, you know, mm. there are a lot of very educated black people who uh, more than recognise and embrace, uh, you know, Afro-Jewish relations. And these people are never given the same platform as people like Wiley, who in himself, despite his age, 
for by many would be still considered somewhat of an adolescent and never have been a um, foremost authority on geopolitics or you know the intricacies of race relations so I exactly. think, yeah Wiley is an idiot we all knew that so moving forward let's not keep putting idiots on a pedestal from our community mm-hmm. please if you've been, you know, obviously following this at home, uh, listeners, then feel free to write, uh, you know, on social. We'll talk happily engage on social media about this because if we can try and have a bit of nuance in that conversation online, like get into the details a little bit, mm. it might help a few people understand what's gone on. But um, it was good to talk about it. I definitely needed to fucking talk about it's it. It's good. Jesus Christ. Have a vent. Um, have a vent, exactly. Rare, rare that I get the chance. Um, <laughs> don't, Dane, it's over to, over to you uh, for the final uh, question of today's show. Okay, uh, I'll try and keep this explanation succinct. Um, uh, Shante, uh, as I'm sure you are aware, there have been a lot of, in many ways, potentially performative uh, gestures of goodwill to begin to uh, provide opportunities for and empower black creatives following uh, the resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement during lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, I say that, uh, you know, I've seen that in terms of, you know, the real McCoy returning to BBC iPlayer, um, right. a few more options being made available for TV opportunities for my peers. Um, but I really don't, but I don't know how things bode for black theatre. And I say that because uh, with Sunny D, uh, two of the uh, core cast members, uh, Bemi Icamello and David Ajayo, had their beginnings as performers for the Royal Shakespeare Company. And um, mm. I was not aware of a Royal Shakespeare company, much less the fact that there were very talented blacktors and blacktresses uh, performing at the Royal Shakespeare uh, company. Mm. And yeah, I was not able to not only find not only one, but two diamonds in the rough. And, you know, those guys are a very large part of the reason why the show did so well and have now gone on to have, you know, very illustrious careers in television. Uh, Bemi herself being nominated for a Screen Nation Award and a BAFTA. So mm. I say that because, you know, very clearly, I didn't even know this existed and these massively talented people are out there um, because I guess it suggested to me like a large amount of uh, the community that theatre isn't necessarily something that we get involved in. Like for me, theatre was like Blue Mountain Theatre and uh, Oliver Samuels doing stage plays at Catford Broadway in South East mm. London. So, so my question was, Shante, um, obviously uh, because of your uh, insight and work within black theatre, what is the state of black theatre now in your opinion? I mean, it's hard. I haven't done theatre stuff in forever. Even pre-lockdown, I was just, like, completely out of it, just, like, busy with life. But I guess, like, with Black Theatre Club, it kind of started out after watching A Nocturne with one of my friends. And it is this crazy play about a a girl who is, like, one-eighth Black and her kind of, like... It is just... It's crazy. It's very kind of intense there's a lot there's a lot going on sound wise stage wise there's fire there's water there's it's everything guys and white face it's like it's crazy um so we were like you know we need we need more black people to basically come to the theater see these shows have opinions feelings thoughts about these shows um and so we needed to find a way to basically coordinate that in a way that was accessible so we kind of started out by working with different theaters getting loads of free tickets and then redistributing free tickets to black people basically and like that's kind of all we did and like i i particularly wasn't an expert in theater but i enjoyed this experience and wanted to use my platform to give other people the opportunity to do it as well but I guess it's hard because there's obviously been a huge kind of cut in the in terms of the amount of theatres that exist, the programmes that they can offer. And it's quite worrying because I think what is going to happen now is that now that all this money has been taken away, 
the theatres are going to go back to that comfortable place of like only producing like plays with high profile white names and high profile white actors catering to the white audience. And I think just when some theatres were starting to do the work to diversify their content and include different creators, all that stuff is going to get rolled all the way back because now we're going to be talking about budgets and what we can and can't afford and whose stories deserve to be told and whose stories will resonate with the most people. It's going to become purely about profits as opposed to like the freedom and the opportunities and the access that the arts will give you. And so, yeah, it's going to be really hard. I've seen, you know, a few, a few like plays that have been done online or plays that have started to be streamed and you can donate and blah, 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 blah. But like that, if there's not a serious kind of cash injection into the world of theater a lot of places are not gonna survive do you know what i mean yeah, yeah. and it's really sad and theater has been something that has been so inaccessible for so long and just when we were starting to really like break through and scratch the surface it's like nope they're going to go back to what they know is safe which is providing for audiences that they know can afford to participate in theater essentially mm. and and just for listeners who may not be knowledgeable about theater why? Because obviously there's a lot of people, you know, on, <laughs> people who don't have anything to do with the arts who may question why it's so important. And I, I'm not one of them, obviously. But mm. what, what, would, what would you say? Why, what is the importance of, 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 of theatre in, 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 you know, in that sense? I think it's just like a really important way to consume art differently not everything has to be on a screen it teaches you about expression conversation there's an intimacy to theater that you don't really get in a cinema and although there are some very archaic and colonial-esque theater traditions around laughing or speaking and blah, blah blah that definitely need to be changed it's a part of that collective experience that I think you don't get elsewhere I find theater so much more emotive so much more powerful so much more gripping like the fact that it's an experience you go you see it once you can't go and watch it online a million times you want to be there you want to be involved you're immersed in what's going on and I think it's such a beautiful way to experience art and it can be so informative it, it historically it has been informative historically it has been influential so i think like theater has always been important and, and will continue to be important as long as we invest in it and as long as we see it as something that is important and it's been a way for communities to organize and create the things that they want to see not everybody is going to have access to camera equipment not everyone is going to be able to make a film but there's something about forcing yourself to be imaginative when watching a play, which makes creating so much more accessible. Mm -hmm. do, you, do, you find, do you find there's anywhere where, so where in this country, I suppose, there were some uh, uh, more progressive initiatives about to take place to be more inclusive for you know, mm. like playwrights and creators and the like. Um, um, is, uh, is, are there any parts in the, of the world or any scenes where you have seen there's been an embrace, an embracing of like uh, black creatives and black playwrights, or even even if it's amongst themselves, where it, it, it seems to be a lot more prosperous. For, so for people who are fans, because I'd say myself, my knowledge is quite limited. Like I was aware of Blue Mountain Theatre as a production company that would do stuff like uh, mm. plays that would travel from Jamaica and come to the UK. And then uh, you know I know Tyler Perry. A lot of Tyler Perry's films began as plays originally, but yeah, I'm not mm -hmm. I'm not massively clued up about. It. I mean even. Uh, dream girls which is like a black cast for a stage play but not necessarily a black play so to speak so yeah 
Um, so, so I, I, off with my head, I can't think of anything right now. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like initiatives, I know that um, a guy called Stephen Kavuma, he runs a diversity school, which is all about kind of diversifying, like not only theatre schools, but like productions. And then there's Toby, who created the Black Ticket Project, mm-hmm. which is essentially about giving loads of young black kids access to basically the theater by giving them free tickets helping to organize school trips so black people within theater have been organizing to create opportunities that go beyond kind of you know just the the kids from privileged backgrounds and privileged schools who can actually take them to the theater and there are so many incredible kind of young black playwrights that are kind of now taking up space i know jasmine she created seven methods of killing kylie jenner which like sold out almost every single time she put on a play there are so many more young creative like black voices who are now taking up the mantle in theater and i think what's happening now in in the creative industry is reversing so much of that hard work and it's like it's quite sad to see that we were coming to a place where a lot more people were getting engaged with theater Mm -hmm. they were seeing a lot of their favorite actors like from their favorite tv shows now on the west end or now do you know what i mean and even for me like i went i went to take my sisters to oh god i can't remember the name of the play ah it's gone from my head it will come to me but I took my sisters to um, a theatre like down in like Central and it, the play was all about like kind of feminism and, and women of the movement and women who were part of like, you know, historical moments in history. And for me, that was like a bonding moment with them mm-hmm. to actually talk about, you know, wider historical movements and what it means to be a woman and what it means to be a feminist. And so many of those important conversations now are not going to happen because we're, we're literally not going to have an industry for people yeah. to... Dane, I tell you, this this conversation reminds me of some of the episode we had with the poet JJ Bowler, who I don't know yeah. if you know. Sean yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 we talked there about why poetry doesn't feel like it gets enough love uh, from people. You know, like as in that you wouldn't necessarily go to a poetry night. I think is something that's kind of. Uh, not a lot of people do, which is, I guess, in some ways related to theatre. You know, not a lot of people, people, it's not accessible, right? People don't feel like they belong at, at those events. And it's and it's it's kind of the, the reason that matters, I think, and it kind of comes back to stand-up as well, Dane, right? Like, there'll be people who come to watch you for an hour and maybe don't know how to behave at a comedy night, like, or they'll, mm. they'll learn how to behave at a comedy night, maybe, is, is respecting the artist is a kind of thing that you can only do, I think, if you're there in person witnessing their 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 talent, right? That's the magic of theatre, right? Is that, you know, I've been dragged <laughs> to some things that with my wife over the years that I might not have wanted to go to or I was apprehensive about going to because, like we were saying before, it's easy to say that you don't want to go somewhere, isn't it? But when you get there and you respect the art uh, in person, it's an incredible experience that more people should understand right absolutely i mean i just i just think yeah it's a uh, still somewhat of an untapped resource for uh young creatives and uh yeah it's always somewhat of a uh kind of annoys me a bit sometimes i think a lot of uh young uh, black creatives they it suggests to them that they have to operate in very very rigid boxes and uh, mm. a lot of kids are under this false impression that they have to be either doing drill or grime or more, one of the more contemporary types of uh, art in order for them to be relevant. Where, uh, you know, as Shantae mm. has, has correctly pointed out, there are so many other ways of expressing yourself, whether it's small plays and performances, even, uh, you know, collections of monologues and stuff and so many other subgenres and forms of expression that people can still prospering if they are aware of it and if they have the resources to do so. So, yeah, I just wanted to... Is that because of money? Is that when money comes I th- into I think it? 
is it always think, aspiring to make money? Theatre, I think money's a big part of it. Not just about people who are trying to realise a profit, but it's like, you know, in terms of sourcing venues and marketing and, and all of the stuff involved around the industry is that theatre itself, um, as an industry, I think, is a lot of its patrons are from a particular socioeconomic background. And I feel because mm. of that, most people outside of it will only kind of be patrons of the theatre on a very superficial level. So most people is like, they'll watch Wicked and they'll watch like, you know, Five Guys Called Mo and, you know, that kind of thing. But so far as seeing, you know, new plays by newer, more radical writers and stuff, I don't think that scene has been very accessible to, you know, black and brown people unless they are within that industry itself or they're studying at like, you know, studying a course, then they'd be more inclined to be patrons. But I think, yeah, it should be on both sides. It's it's going to require, you know, uh, an industry to support these emerging creatives, but it also requires for patrons to be aware of and continue to support as well. And I said, not just to go and see plays that are like, you know, Tyler Perry style uh, plays, but, you know, just have more and more awareness. So I, I really hope that uh, anyone that's listening, uh, yeah, checks out some, you know, black playwrights and black creators and stuff. Because as I said, you know, you get some amazing acts from there. Like even Don Warrington, who was also in Sunny D. Don Warrington was doing Glenn, Gary, Glenn Ross. Uh, towards the end of last oh, year. What a, what a play that there is. Go, yeah. seen and he that. was the lead in that. It was a great film of it as well. Yeah, he was the lead in that. Yeah. So, again, you know, it's testament to the fact that you get some amazing uh, performers in some incarnations you wouldn't even expect. So, like, I remember Lindsay Lohan was doing a stage play over here. Zach Braff from Scrubs. So, you know, if, mm. it, if it's any, uh, I suppose, if it's any impetus to listeners and stuff, it's like you get some amazing, most actors and actresses who are worth their weight in gold will tread the boards. So, get involved in theatre because you'll see some very good very good good people I think mm. David Harewood was doing some plays and stuff Lenny Henry did Othello and Fences that's how I found out about Fences and stuff as well so you know I really feel like if you want to see um, your the most talented people in their most minimalist and stripped down form then definitely mm. check out the theatre uh, it's been a really good episode, Dane. I've enjoyed this one a lot. We've talked about three very different subjects, right? It's been mm. it's been very, very varied. Uh, you know, has loads of real conversation that went down today. Um, Shante, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and uh, repping the small islands. And um, uh-huh. yeah, love the last interview that you did uh, on TV as well. <laughs> that was hilarious. Oh, and I admire, I admire your poise and patience because I would have thrown my chair a long time. So um, that being said, um, where can people find out more about your good works and uh, hear more about your editorial, please? Um, so, yeah, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Shante J. And I am just I'm constantly writing. I'm actually I don't know why I'm telling you my last story. But anyway, I'm actually going part time at my job. I have a full time job. So I've been writing writing all this stuff doing all this video stuff whatever whatever alongside a full-time job and i'm now like gonna go part-time so i can try and do more writing i'm also writing a book about the black british power movement that is like kind of taking up a a lot of my time at the moment that i'm hoping to finish by the end of the year so keep a lookout for that and yeah just literally keep an eye on my socials for all the stuff that i'm doing because it literally all goes straight there so good Um, on the cusp of creating i would like a first manuscript of the book please when it's done of course of course thank you so much thank you so much and congratulations on taking a step towards going uh you know all the way into the creative industry i know it's crazy it'll be great crazy man i'm shook i'm shook that's it man but do something that scares you exactly then do something that scares you it's nice to know sometimes that you don't know what's going to happen as opposed to knowing what's going to happen every single day for the next 50 years you've been listening to dane baptiste questions everything hosted by dane baptiste for more from dane go to danebaptiste.co.uk 
or follow him on Twitter at DaneBapTweets or Instagram at DaneSnapTeast. Our guest was Shante Joseph. You can follow Shante on Twitter at ShanteJ. The show is produced by me, Howard Cohen. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Howard Cohen. The show is mixed and mastered by Decode. You can follow D on Twitter and Instagram at Official Decode. Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at DBQE Podcast. Thanks to Polly, Gelly, and the ACAST team for all their support. Thanks for listening, guys, and remember, question everything. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.